0: Welcome to D5 by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, while striving to educate, empower, and enrich.
1: Welcome back to the D5 by Design podcast, brought to you by the Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality actionable insights and information on all things layer 2s, roll-ups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance and take a look and all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting-edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling blockchain tech and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX Protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StartNet.
2: This episode of DeFi by Design is presented by Union. Union Labs was founded with a vision to create trustless infrastructure. The mission is to bring zero-knowledge proofs to various ecosystems and ensure a fair market for generating ZK proofs. While building in stealth, Union has developed the Union testnet and successfully established an IBC connection between this testnet and Ethereum. Union will bring assets natively to any blockchain and enable account abstraction with interchain queries. This setup is not a dummy or hacky one. It includes a full IBC stack, light clients with membership proofs, header verification using ZK proofs, a stateless relayer and zero knowledge provers. Get answers to all your ZK questions on Union's website, union.build, and DM at union underscore build on X. Now let's get back to the show.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to G5 by Design, episode 113. Get ready to get modular pilled because there's nothing else on the agenda because we're going to Istanbul, and I'm feeling Istanbulish. I got my More Layers shirt on. Are you kidding
2: me? We're scaling, Rob. More Layers, please. Uh, how you doing, Rob? Andy's joking with me because I posted a tweet yesterday that said layers don't exist anymore because we're in modular world now. And this is no longer layer one, layer two, layer N blockchain space. We're now in this world where modules of blockchains just exist in space. And we're going to the moon of scalability. We're definitely scaling. Um, comes with trade-offs with interoperability. So I'm definitely curious to hear more about uh, how Injective handles those trade-offs. I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna sit back and uh, and learn. That's what I enjoy most about these podcasts. And Eric, um, I'm gonna pass it over to you to to just kind of introduce yourself, how you're feeling. Um, you really need no introduction. We've all seen Injective on the top uh, top 50 of coin market cap, so kind of speaks for itself nowadays. But we won't we won't speak too much about the price uh, and the token. Um, we we are really here to to learn more about the the technology and uh, the contra- contributions you're making to the blockchain space. So welcome to the show, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so yeah, my name is Eric Chen. I'm the co-founder and CEO of uh, Injective Labs. So we're like a core contributor to uh, the Injective ecosystem. And so what Injective is, since basically it's a layer one blockchain uh, that focuses on financial applications. Um, it has a lot of you know uh, uh, modules that allows developers to plug and play and synergize with each other uh, like the book module to support spot and divergence exchanges, Oracle modules, et cetera. And, uh, injective itself is, you know, uh, fairly scalable with, uh, you know, roughly, uh, uh 20,000 TPS if that the the matter C says, um, and also, you know, uh, have done, you know, a very, very, uh, uh, tremendous amount of growth for the past year or so, uh, with, you know, Helix uh, you know, clocking in, I think, you know, 13 or $14 billion bonding to date and also, and more than 300 or 400 transactions uh, uh, you know to date. Yeah, and
1: that's that's uh, very, very uh, great accomplishments thus far and I'm, and I'm sure that you're proud of yourself, but also looking at the roadmap like game, we have a lot of work to do. Um, and just to kind of rewind a little bit, uh, Rob and I were actually part of the University of Florida Blockchain Club. Um, you know and and when we were getting ready for this podcast, we we, we saw that you were pretty involved with the NYU blockchain Labs, and we're kind of like, you know, doing some risk management assessments at various funds and things. And I'm just curious, like, how you how you went from like, okay, I'm gonna work, you know, in different funds and kind of do like uh, kind of quant things. Okay, getting like the university education angle, and then you know now we're here in Injective. It's just it's quite an interesting path.
0: Yeah. So so I think my student club days back in the day was mainly focusing on like research and stuff like that. I don't think. The space was like mature enough for uh, you know, algorithmic uh, trading or like quant trading. I remember you know, back in the day, the real like you know, automated strategy uh, that everyone participated in was really like the uh, country premium. So, I think back then, you know, um, uh, most of the mindshare and most of the participation will space are generally on a research direction and a lot more heavily on you know, the cryptography uh side. Uh, these days, you know, like unfortunately, uh, you know given how mature like uh, the space is relative to what it was like 2018 or 2019, certainly cryptography has been, you know, kind of like the, you know, uh, on the sidelines, you know, behind the curtains uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it has already, you know, like uh, uh, provided and realized uh, so much of the uh, infrastructure that we use uh, and enjoy today. Yeah. Super cool. Um,
1: Appreciate that. Yeah. Robin and similar experience with, with the, uh, while albeit probably less technical and less in-depth we were quite young at the time seventeen 16 18 something like that you know we were kind of doing this this education angle on, on in the club and, and that led to just a whole different you know insights into the space and just what's possible and now there's you know there's there's tons of college DAOs, and uh you know there's there's Berkeley and Uish and et cetera participating in optimism governance and Aave governance and and some interesting things happening at the college level. But we won't we won't dive too deep into that. Uh, but I'd like to go to, to, to the library and open up your mind a little bit as to where um, the role of the VM has started to play in your uh, kind of journey with Injective. Uh, you guys are currently using SVM, which I think our audience is probably pretty new to and the community is as a whole, because it's quite a bit of a new development. And also EVM, so obviously compatible with kind of both. So um, yeah, I guess like, let's just start at at the foundational level yeah. and then kind of dive deeper and deeper. But how does how do these pieces put together? Um, you know, with these with these different VMs, and you know, where does injected fit? And then I think we
0: we can dive further. Yeah. So so all these uh, you know uh, recent launches around like Cascade, which is the you know SVM roll up, and also like uh, iEVM, which is you know like a uh, EVM roll up. Uh, are all you know, part of this uh, initiative that's called like electron chains. And this means that, you know, it's an alternative uh, environment or roll-up layer or, you know, uh, a network that, you know, connects or is secured uh, by uh, injective in some way, whether injective servicing uh, as like the verifier, D layer, uh, et cetera. And, uh, you know, these roll-ups are kind of like these uh, specialized environments or, you know, uh, kind of like distinct and separate environments from, you know, what's uh, typically offered within the, uh, the injective core chain. Um, and acting as kind of like these uh, surrounding, uh, surrounding like, electrons that, you know, uh, uh, kind of like a, uh, uh, provide a lot more utility, provide a lot more like uh, uh, scale and also provide a lot more, you know, interesting use cases uh, for, you know, the overall injective ecosystem. And I think what's interesting about, you know, uh, injective's role in this uh, and why, you know, like, uh, you know, we at Injective Labs decided to pursue this direction of, you know, adding, uh, adding on more players and, you know, uh, pursuing a, you know, more like a pathway towards a modular approach is that basically uh, injective uh, as a chain itself is a fairly specialized environment and has, you know, kind of like a kind of peculiar, like a uh, uh, smart contract, rank, uh, uh, you know, uh, environment called, you know, uh, uh, Cosmosm, which is uh, primarily, you know, primarily Rust-based, um, you know, it isn't really like, a, 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 you know, full on like transpile from EVM or like SVM. Um, And, you know, it's a a bit of a, you know, work to, you know, get used to it and, you know, uh, create, like, scalable and, you know, uh, interesting applications from it. And now on top of that, there's, you know, all these, like, uh, highly uh, efficient and optimized modules, like, uh, exchange module that can support a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, traits uh, for for every single block, being able to match them efficiently uh, in, like, you know, single, like, aggregated way. And you're going to see, you know, a lot of these, uh, adapts, uh, uh, within the Cosmos layer also, you know, jamming in orders, you know, uh, um, you know, creating different types of like on-chain, uh, liquidity, um, uh, uh, kind of like protocols or, you know, creating different types of, uh, uh financial products or protocols, uh, to support and synergize with this. And this basically means that there's gonna be like a huge amount of, uh, you know, uh, 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 traffic, uh, coming through, uh, into like the exchange module and. First of all, on like the developer friendliness side, um, the deep type of role environments kind of as this. uh, I would say like more like a high level, um, like a onboarding environment for different types of developers are like, hey, like I'm not super familiar with Cosmos and I'm certainly not familiar with Rust, but hey, here's like a you know EVM role environment where you know I can get used to. Now, if you look at it from like the most abstract role level way. Uh, it just feels like a you know like a alternative environment with different precompiles, but um, in reality, uh, from like a you know high level uh, developer perspective, it's like hey like this is something I can get started with a you know a, a, a lower risk, and then it's the same case for like SDM, which is you know another set of uh, um, kind of like an environment that has very very interesting properties uh, distinct from like the EPM layer um, that is actually you know a little bit more aligned with like uh, the injective uh, networks offering. Uh, Given that, you know, it's uh, more, uh, I would say, relatively uh, computation uh, uh, heavy and, you know, uh, storage, uh, obviously, Injective is a little bit more focused on the uh, space aspect of things uh, by supporting like a large uh, order book, etc. But I think, you know, like that's also, you know, where you're going to find like uh, the most amount of, uh, uh, you know, HFT or, you know, uh, uh, um, kind of like uh, advanced uh, developers are working on, you know, very, very cutting edge. Uh, uh, financial applications and stuff like that. And all these, you know, role environments with different types of, like, security properties, different types of interoperability properties, uh, and more importantly, you know, uh, different types of scalability properties um, allow for these developers that uh, deploy their application in the easiest way possible, and I think more importantly, in a secure way because they're familiar with Solidity or they're familiar uh, with uh, SDM, and uh, interop and uh, kind of compose with uh, all the existing applications within the injected chain so right now, obviously, Injective doesn't really need, uh, 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 or isn't really hitting the scalability bottleneck. But you know, later on, uh, it's going to transition from an onboarding tool into more of a how do I call it, like a, a scaling layer. Got it. And
2: you're tying in so many of the components that we've seen exist in the space. So you mentioned SVM. Andy's an SVM Maxi today. That's obviously the Solana Virtual Machine. And then you also mentioned that it's EVM compatible, and that you're leveraging CosmWasm, which is inherently a Cosmos infrastructure piece. So I'm I'm curious, what is what is special about Injective
0: that pulls all these technologies together? Yeah, so so I think that's both the you know unique situation that uh, you, know, of, uh, you know uh you know electron layers uh, are uh, facing. Essentially, these sort of challenges and also like unique offerings is that typically when you look at like a roll-up or like a modular kit, um, you know, unless it's, you know, very much an application specific layer, um, it's typically served as like a scaling layer. Uh, in the case of like Optimism, in the case of like Arbitrum, in the case of Base, um, they're pretty much identical, um, you know, environments with uh, you know, different parameters from like, uh, kind of like trade-offs in terms of security uh, uh, when it comes to you know, interoperability. But at the end of the day, it's meant to scale the layer. Um, but for injective's case, it's a slightly different problem. Like uh, scalability isn't necessarily like a, a problem for injective uh, just yet. It's going to take a while before that becomes a problem. Um, and um, the the real problem is you know inter, uh, interoperability between you know these very very distinct environments uh, and figuring out a way to like you know uh, unify and uh, you know pass messages, you know secure messages because you know uh, token transfer, telling swapping, etc. Are all just messages at the end of the day. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, making sure that uh, all these uh, applications can compose with each other in the most natural way. And so through these roll-ups, it's almost like, a you know, uh, uh, kind of like a battle uh, battle testing of, you know, building these uh, interoperability suites, uh, building all these, you know, like, uh, um, kind of like a base layer tools uh, that developers can leverage to make sure that, you know, like their slowly contract can, you know, send very direct instructions into custom awesome contracts or, you know, their, uh, uh, you know, so our programs can, you know, create very, very high frequency, you know, signals towards, uh, uh you know, orders on top of the uh, injective. And basically, you know, like it's a slightly different direction with like a slightly different focus where you know, we worry less about, you know, the scaling aspect of things. Um, basically, it, uh, injective's uh, one-ish second block time um, kind of uh, uh, alleviates a lot of the concern around like challenge period uh, and the size of block space also, you know, allows for it. But I think, Wasm also add, uh, had a bunch of like added benefits of it but at the same time it's like hey like this is a completely different uh, language this is a completely uh, different environment if you go down to the bytecode it's like pretty much the same but like you know um, uh, how do you make this uh, a developer layer um, uh, which effectively speaking it's like almost like a UX uh, but like devX uh, uh, layer you know uh, much more efficient much more um, uh, usable, and this kind of uh, will imply, you know, eventually, like a very, very much uh, seamless, frictionless, uh, you know, borderless, you know, multi-chain experience where users might not even realize they're going from like Injective to Solana to Ethereum to whatever layer, um, or you know, from like Arbitrum to uh, Solana or like a Solana rollup solution um, uh, using the same set of keys by probably like account abstraction or something like that. Uh, and hopping between five applications in the process, but in, from user end, it's just like oh, like after five seconds, like yeah, my my uh, my uh, transaction is uh, all said and done, and I subscribe into a pool or something. like that. You've
2: you shed a very clear light on the trade offs in the design space for for modular uh, blockchains. It, it's something that we've heard time and time again that these modular designs allow for this this great scalability, but at the uh, at the trade-off of of interop um and it's something that you know i think we've we've kind of seen this like cambrian explosion of chains that have have launched in the modular space and they're leading to an increase in the amount of in uh, block space and the amount of like throughput that we can push through some of these some of these networks uh, but again it's like it's further fragmentation. And then, and then you guys are now building the interoperability suite. I I think that's a really a really cool term for it too, because it's it's almost like these these like pieces of infrastructure that pull together those fragmentations and kind of make sense of those those modular chains. So I'm I'm curious, like, kind of looking at this lens, this modularity lens, where you can now interop across these different modular apps. I'm curious how this how this may change something that we we've, we've spoke about and I hope you're familiar with with which is uh the fat application thesis and the fat protocol thesis. I'm curious if you've if you've heard about this if you have like your thoughts and and how do you think the modular landscape changes the fat protocol thesis and and where value flows to the top of the stack the bottom of the stack it's like layers no longer exist so like where does value flow in this
0: modular landscape so, so, uh, I for for the longest time I've been kind of like not heavily subscribed to the uh, fat protocol thesis, because um, I remember when it came out, when it was like a kind of like like hotly discussed topic in like 2018 or 2019, uh, where you know this is a new paradigm and like you know it's a fat protocol and stuff like that, and like you know application doesn't like accrue uh, uh, most value the underlying protocol uh, do i think it's just the same phenomenon as like a nascent industry where like infrastructure first and an application because if you look at like uh you know uh the internet era like dot com to you know uh um you know what it is today which is primarily like you know a bunch of social media apps or something like that um that are uh you know driving in terms of market value um there are like obviously like exceptions in a sense but the, the point being that like back in the day um Primarily, like those who achieve very, very high valuation and those uh, who have, you know, like who, who garner like the most activity are server farms, you know, infrastructure providers, um, you know, all those like, uh, you know, uh, like TMT, uh, uh, you know, companies. Um, and then, you know, now it's primarily like application sided, like, um, you know, that's infrastructure side has matured a lot and uh, the valuation driver is, you know, mainly resting on application. So right now we're also kind of seeing like a transition from FAD protocol to FAD application. Um, you don't see as many, you know, like a, uh, like a Ethereum killer out there. You don't see that many, you know, chains trying to be their own, like a standalone uh, ecosystem and infrastructure with their own wallet solutions stuff like that. Um, what you do see is a lot of successful applications getting a lot of user interest, you know, driving like a lot more, you know, user-focused adoption rather than saying that, we're building an infrastructure for applications that's going to go us a lot easier. Um, and for for Injective's case, that was a kind of like uh, a baked in uh, pretty much since day one, where it's like um, for a lot of the applications on top of Injective, they get this very interesting benefit of uh, 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 connecting with uh, MetaMask wallet by you know uh, 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 basically just signing a message uh, from the Ethereum uh, you know on, on mainnet. And, you know, that becomes a valid transaction on top of injective by the relay. And uh, there's not, like uh, all gas fees, uh, where, you know, basically the gas fees run fronted by the applications themselves. Uh, so users don't have to pay for it. Um, and also, you know, like all the, uh, using the same signature scheme. Uh, so on the surface level, it means that the user, uh, using like a application on top of injective, if, uh, if the developer chooses, the user will never realize that they're using application on top of injective. For them, it's just like, oh, I deposit, which is a bridging process. Um, and then it becomes like a balance on this uh, platform. And then, you know, I can just, you know, do whatever transaction I want, primarily, let's say, like trading and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I can just, you know, withdraw, which is bridging it up or bridging it back to source chain. Um, and then, you know, call a day. But in reality, you know, in the back end, is, you know, uh, uh, um, your application paying for the gas fee uh, for the user, you know, the relaying, you know, like the sign message uh, from, you uh, uh, Side head data from like uh, Ethereum mainnet to uh, Injective, um, and you know they're uh, they're you know supporting the entire infrastructure along the way. Um, so yeah, I think FAP application is going to be like uh, uh, kind of like a canonical term pretty soon ish, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, because I think that's really where the uh, excitement is. And also interestingly enough, uh, Injective. Uh, as this ecosystem really started, like kind of application tokens, right? Where, you know, uh, it's really just, you know, one single application that was presented to the general user um, uh, as, you know, even though the infrastructure was like pretty generalized, you can support a bunch of other things and stuff like that. But initially it interface, uh, the users with like a, a sample application basically as an uh, interactive exchange. And this is, uh, you know, users treat uh, you know, interactive as an ecosystem initially as as, as an application. And there are many reasons why, you know, uh, us at Injective Labs, you know, uh, approach Injective Exchange that way. But I think, you know, starting off as uh, application focused, building like an infrastructure that are friendly to um, application developers, rather than, you know, accruing value to the underlying protocol itself is, first of all, a significant advantage in growth against, you know, like uh, uh, other, you know, generalized uh, environment. But more importantly, it's, uh, it's sort of... You know, understand you know the needs and haunts of a developer in the most uh, intimate way possible, and I think the modular stack these days it's another step towards you know empowering application, right? Because uh, historically, one of the biggest problems for you know modular architecture is uh, the symmetrical security uh, um, uh, amongst you know different layers, and more importantly, you know the data passing between them. And coincidentally, uh, that's basically been like the whole thing that Cosmos was trying to address themselves, and, you know, they present a very, very elegant solution that is uh, IBC. And it's, you know, very, very scalable from, like, an infrastructure maintenance level uh, um, and it's also, you know, permissionless in terms of adding new layer. And most importantly, it's, you know, uh, uh, almost like a, a la carte style where if you trust this, uh, you know, like, a bidirectional uh, chain to basically this destination you're going uh, to, then, you know, you, you can trust uh, this uh, bridge that goes between them because it's uh, practically speaking secure by the bridge themselves. Uh, so secure by secure themselves. So that actually, you know, using that, it actually solves a lot of interoperability blockers uh, that enables like a modular layer. Um, and, you know, like a lot of the toolkits and suites uh, that we uh, adopt uh, for, you know, interoperability, oftentimes are also powered by uh, uh, IBC, right? And, you know, you know, a lot of our work uh, uh, that we're trying to do is to create kind of this interface that allows for, you know, Ethereum contracts uh, to, you know, trade and, you know, uh, tr- uh transmit like IBC compatible messages. And now again, more like ICA, uh, you know, compatible messages, uh, to basically go through this, you know, highway, a secure highway of, uh, message passing where we don't have to worry about too many things per se. And not saying that's the easiest, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, one of the biggest, uh, you know, um, kind of like a step up in terms of uh, building these, uh, interoperable solutions. Yeah. I mean, to... To
1: put this into perspective, uh, we, we 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 had the fat protocol thesis with kind of like a theory and these and these uh, kind of ideas where like these underlying layers would would accrue a bunch of value. That was almost before we had DeFi and a bunch of like popular apps. And then now, I think to your point, uh, you know, when you think of popular apps, you think of social media applications, you think of applications on your phone, and you think of different things that you use on the internet, and those are you, know, you don't really think of the HTTPS or the email server or the uh, technology layer under it uh, while that layer is definitely occurring value in the sense what the what the consumer and what the what where all the economic activity is happening is within that app obviously it's if, if it's on a certain if it's in a certain network that network thus can can you know kind of show this picture things and say hey you know this is a, all the activity that we have but from a perspective of like, uh investing and I think of a perspective of uh onboarding, I think it's definitely a matter of the apps. And then furthermore, kind of on your point about where, where um you know injective lies in the in the uh overall ecosystem of 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 Interop. I mean, there's some really, really good points there. And one specific that you made was re- uh regards to Ethereum uh as well and kind of like this like, like this idea of being a settlement layer. Um you know, alongside in, Injective. So could you please uh, walk us through what a modular stack using Injective either currently looks like or could look like? So, okay, Injective's this L1, it's the settlement layer, if I'm not mistaken. Then there's different, you know, you can have different VMs, different roll-ups, uh, data availability. Are all these compatible in the sense of like the big players in, in the game now? What is the current stack if there is one now and then, or what could one look like separating from a monolithic chain to to a modular or does injective just do all this itself
0: yeah i i think that's you know like starting off um uh you know kind of like uh uh almost like uh you know up to the you know um, roll up developer um in a sense of like you know injective uh, walk space isn't you know that expensive compared to like ethereum etc so oftentimes you know like we see like injectives not only search surveyance serve sellman slash you know verifier setup but also like the TA layer um because you know like posting the proofs and um, you know the state transition uh, isn't you know too cost prohibitive and you know currently I, I believe it's like I'm is uh you know doing that. Um but you know later on you know it's a it's a very, very like hands off slash like natural dynamics where it's like you know let's say the cost of block space uh within uh, Injective uh, goes up a lot more and um, you know submitting these proofs that uh, becomes more expensive and uh you know like the uh, the, the rollup stack uh, can easily migrate to like a DA layer layer uh, uh, that's you know like uh, uh off chain essentially um, then you know it, it's uh it's up to the developer themselves to you know uh try to like move it off um so so i think the advantage of going uh, like a role layer where you know scalability isn't you know like the primary uh, objective here per se uh, but rather, you know, offering more features and tool set and expanding the offering um, is that, you know, you, you don't have to have any like uh, 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 difficult problems to, you know, to heavily optimize for. And instead, you focus on the experience, uh, because oftentimes, well, let's say, you know, there are 10, you know, very, very talented engineers working on uh, a specific role of solution for EVM, et cetera. Um, the time allocation could be like 2080 uh, between, you know, 20 percent on building up like uh, well out-of-the-box, you know, tool suites and, you know, contracts where developers can utilize so you know, interop and, you know, building these bridge solutions or, like, atomic swap solutions so that, you know, it's not just message passing but also, you know, like the end-to-end solution. But the 80% is, you know, figuring out, like, economically sensible, you know, like a secure and, you know, highly scalable layer that doesn't have, you know, liveness or correctness issues, et cetera, um, and currently, you know, like, uh, the, the majority of, uh, a lot of these roll players, layers, you know, trying to, uh, uh, build these roll-ups on top of, uh, Ethereum, uh, has been, you know, mainly competitive on that side. on like, how do we, you know, uh, make sure like the, uh, challenge period for, let's say like optimism is as short as possible, or how do we build solutions to like, you know, uh, navigate that and like, uh, or like, you know, like, uh, uh, how do we lower like the cost of, uh, maintaining like a ZK roll-up or something like that. And, um. Yeah, like, uh, um, obviously, Celestia uh, and other, you know, like, modular architecture also gets to, you know, focus on user experience. We already started off with, let's say, like, this highly modular, you know, symmetrical and secure layer where it's basically, you know, uh, 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 separating, you know, all, all of these, you know, like, components within the blockchain itself and, you know, allowing, you know, a certain, like, environment and layer to, like, specialize in those uh, single things, let's say DA, et cetera. And at the same time, you know, keeping them, like, so closely synced uh, to a degree of almost, like, uh, atomic. Um, yeah. Then you didn't, like, worry about, like, uh, you know, how to make the developer experience uh, seamless. Yeah. How do you meet all these uh, linkages and stuff like that? Um, and, yeah, like, I, I think, you know, um, that is is uh, that that is one of the greatest things about the monitor stack is that, you know, when, when you don't have to, you know, initially consider, like, all the scalability issues and all the economic factors of it, you free up a lot of times to build a truly you know like a user-friendly developer-friendly uh, application
1: taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors right before we get back to this fascinating discussion we have a message from our current sponsors here we go i want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor premium finance Premium is a native options protocol that offers market driven pricing and capital efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With premium you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What, what sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Uh, feel free to check it out at Um hedge your risks or amplify your positions uh, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plana Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets, hello to a seamless user-friendly experience. Plana Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, With Plana Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah, two fun facts today. Did you know, did you guys know that there's not been a, a, a fraud proof yet on any optimistic rules because... Essential. Yeah, that's sequ- that's it, exactly. No, yeah. yeah, and there's no. There is highly unlikely for a centralized sequencer to uh, be able to commit any any malicious action or really be incentivized to. Um, and then the other one is that that seven day optimistic fraud proof window uh, was actually uh, an arbitrary uh, time. It was just. Ah, uh, yeah, it sounds good. And like you said, Eric, there's um, there's been some proposals. I think from Steven Goldfelder or from um, one of the arbitrary guys from Blockchain Labs. Who's starting to push on trying to to lower that,
0: uh, which which I think is super interesting. Uh, and well, uh, it's not like super arbitrary per se, like you know between like let's say like five and like nine days, seven days, probably just pretty arbitrary. But like you do have like a minimum where like the you know the, the challenge period needs to like uh, uh, like like the challenge process, like you know for some it's interactive, for some it's not interactive, needs to fully uh, uh, play out. And that's depending on, you know, the block space plus, like, a little bit of leeway because you need it for an art transaction as well um, so it's to make it happen. So, yeah, like, the debate around, you know, lowering the challenge theory, etc. I mean, like, at the end of the day, if proof is permissioned, um, Yeah, you can make the challenge, pretty much just like, one block. But, like, um, uh, you know, like, in the case of, like, lowering it and opening it up, um, they're, they're, you know, like, it's... Uh... It's better for it, for, for them to wait for, um, you know, trial proof to be fully live um, and, you know, battle tested with malicious actors that uh, are well-funded um, before you, you know, lower that. Definitely.
1: Definitely. So the yeah, uh, I'm going to switch gears back to the uh, injective side. I mean, from my perspective, it seems like you guys can handle the DA layer. Uh, because the, the the call data storage is effectively not very expensive right now when compared to something like Ethereum. Um, you guys can use VMs, other VMs, Solana, EVM, Cartesi VM, Move VM, uh, won Your VM here. Um, and then uh, teams can come in and build on top different roll-ups to using uh, Injective as a settlement layer and also as a DA layer, as you said, as long as the costs don't become too prohibitive. Now, specifically on the DA layer side, as, as how uh, Injective handles it, we don't have to get too, too technical, but I just want to understand the, the trade-off that you guys make. If We haven't already established it, but on the on the basically gas per byte situation and the on-chain and off-chain storage. So are, do you guys have an off-chain data storage committee secured by the Injective nodes? Or do you guys store these data off-chains in something like a Validium or like some other mechanism? And then where, if you can draw like a, I I saw this graph of Celestia had like this x-axis of gas per byte and y-axis of decentralization and rollups were like at the very top, Voidiums were like at the bottom and then in the middle was DNC, a a data availability community and then uh, Celestia was kind of there in the middle. Uh, I'm curious where you guys, where you think that you find yourself in that basically cost and decentralization parameter on your data availability uh situation i guess
0: yeah um so basically the interesting part about injective and this is one like nice little added benefit for you know injective as a blockchain as in system not being uh generalized is that uh without sounding like you know like uh you know uh, a car or commercial guy but like you know it, it, it's it, it doesn't really need to subscribe to that type of uh bound um being like, like the, the point being that like you know uh, the Cosmos of smart contract environment still subscribes a lot, and as a matter of fact, you know like it's pretty similar you know to any type of standard like smart contract environment like uh, Ethereum, um, and it might be slightly cheaper uh, just given that you know it's Cosmos based and you know uh, there are a few uh, parts that are optimized, um, for example like uh, token transfer utilizing a module which you know uh, doesn't require having I mean, like uh, smart contract operations etc. Other modules, uh, and that's why like the out-of-box work play module is like so important. Is that it has to like customize, you know, like a gas run, uh, where you know a specific application is kind of deterministic in terms of its uh, computational cost. Um, you know, in in you know Cosmos is basically like a template message, uh, and this message has um, kind of like a bound in terms of you know, uh, or like an expected bound in terms of like how much uh, operation uh, or like the cost of it. And this means that you know, when the developers uh, implement these type of uh, modules and stuff like that, uh, they have a very good guess on you know the cost of uh, uh, that specific message, the lower upper bound. If they don't have a good guess, they probably need to like uh, uh, you know like, like, like adjust to that because that would would be kind of a mistake basically. But uh, yeah, the, the point being that like um, th- that's why like you know for example like creating like a trade, posing a order, canceling order. Doesn't really cost much uh, on injection. And that's why, you know, applications, you know, can front the gas tree for a user because it's not expensive to do it. It's just a little bit. It's just that, you know, you don't want all the users to go through a hassle of uh, acquiring a native token to pay for gas. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, but uh lossing uh, uh, you know, uh, contracts and transactions, oftentimes, other than, you know, like a very specific hook to interact with the native modules, uh, all subscribe to the same type of like generalized environment. And there's, you know, no easy way around it. And if there is, like, you're still making, like, a very significant trade-off that you probably regret later on and you have to adjust. Um, so, yeah, like, that's why, like, uh, you know, roll-up is, uh, has like, a very, very important strategic, you know, uh, position within the injected ecosystem is that, you know, injected as an ecosystem is, you know, more specialized, more sector-focused, more specific, where, you know, you can totally do everything you do on Ethereum on top of the cosmos layer, but that's, you know, that doesn't have like a significant advantage uh, over time. Um, you know, it's not going to get you know uh, uh, amazingly cheaper unless you, you want know, to sacrifice decentralization. It's not going to you know have a lot more uh, feature offering per se, um, especially you know as Ethereum itself improves, right? Um, but what you're going to get is basically the set of uh, specialized uh, modules that has you know like a um, kind of like almost like a constant scale uh, uh, gas cost, et cetera, that um, you know, you can always have a very stable estimation and you know, stable uh, um, kind of like uh, well, uh, cost parameters for application developers for users, and more importantly, because these are built-in uh, modules for uh, within the chain itself, um, it's almost like a specialized profile where you know the entire chain and the stakeholders are aligned to you know, uh, uh, um, basically you know, optimize for it and self-evolve uh, in a way. Like, if it uh, if it can be scaled better, if it can be optimized further, they will you know try to make these messages on more optimized. Whereas you know if let's say you know like some specific contract and um uh, because of the you know the way the gas economy is designed it's not exactly the most friendly for them, and they say that oh like this is super unfriendly you know like I want to make a change on like how the gas is calculated, um, then like you know it's it's gonna fall in deaf ears. Like, like it's it's not really gonna be like uh, uh, prioritized by all the stakeholders. Um, as a result, and that's kind of general problem within you know generalized environments. Um, so yeah, like like uh, that's kind of an interesting situation. But that's also why like you know uh, the trade off here is that you don't uh, you, you 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 don't have like a generalized focus. You focus on you know like the financial application part. Yeah, yeah. So I mean,
1: uh, from from that explanation, the only reason for me to understand as to why one or one of the key reasons would be. Uh, to use a separate data availability layer like a Celestia or XYZ would be to just add a different piece of the puzzle to the equation or to this a la carte menu. I, I really liked, only you're describing module. If you said that, but I, I really liked it because it's almost like a plug and play, a pick and choose. Well, what do you want? It's like a four course meal. Uh, but by it, it, it would be using an alternative DA layer just in the sake of uh, likely re- reducing single point of failure and just expanding decentralization uh, as well as onboarding that community of. You know, potential users or fans or, or marketing, et cetera, et cetera, um, in there, which is which is definitely interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we can get out of the weeds here and uh, and kind of go more to where where you guys are are working on. I just had one last thing about the VMs. Um, is Solana VM powerful because it allows MSP no Rust to build dApps within other ecosystems or? Is there a technological reason as to why uh, you guys are bullish on svm and why you are so key- keen on kind of getting it into injective
0: yeah so 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 i think Solana a lot of um is powerful in a sense of like at the end of the day, like everything converges and everything equalizes right um there's no th- there's nothing that you know like uh on uh um evm you know can like like, like there's nothing like you know just fundamentally you know better uh, for evm or well, like svm it's just that you know like they're just picking a trade off at the end of the day now there could be like some optimization or some improvement they can make it marginally better but uh um there's no like fundamental advantage but what's fundamental about like uh, uh the svm layer is that it between like kind of like the space and computation uh um like wider uh, uh, uh they picked uh you know very much uh, to the uh you know like bias towards uh computation and this brings a lot of uh, added benefits, et cetera, because as you know, long as you manage, you know, your storage, and uh, uh, like you know, a uh, space uh, correctly, uh, these applications will have the fundamental like uh, advantage over like uh, EVM applications. Um, and this basically means that uh, for, for, obviously for EVM's case, you know, they they they're designed to be highly gen- uh, generalized. They try to like take the mean uh, or like the middle ground uh, between every single like uh, consideration and trade-off. And as a result, you know, you make uh, a certain like uh, vertical of application kind of un- unhappy. And for Solana the reason why like initially it had a lot of uh, you know uh, um, kind of passion or uh, a lot of adoption amongst like you know uh, HFT uh, developers, uh, you know, building their DeFi applications or you know a lot of uh, you know like a, a DeFi protocols is that. Uh, they, they, they just allow for a lot more, uh, uh, you know, computation to go through uh, like a reasonable cost, especially with the par- uh, you know, a parallelization aspect of things uh, I'll, I'll go across like you know, like a different types of trade-offs uh, that you know they don't necessarily you know need to worry about. And uh, yeah, like brought like a whole new sector of like uh, you know, DeFi applications that totally would have been like economically like inviable uh, on top of Ethereum unless you built like a uh, you know, uh, customized uh, null-up, which loses composability. And yeah, so 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 by picking and choosing, uh, you know, crossing the trade-off spectrum, SVM, you know, kind of created this uh, room for like a lot more like opportunities and like uh, um, uh, a lot more like uh, kind of like a sector of uh, application to really thrive. And I think interestingly now it's you know uh, uh, also like NFT, which uh, uh, people have been like, very passionate about. It's also kind of ridiculous how like minting an NFT costs like so much uh, uh, during the heydays on <laughs> Ethereum.
1: Hundreds of dollars in gas, thousands. So, if I was build the fastest modular stack, would I build Injective as my settlement layer and my DA layer, SVM as my as my BM, and then you know build build atop that stack? Yeah, if you want to build a layer that's
0: uh, you know financially focused, computational like HFT speed. If you're building something financial related, it's certainly like Injective is the best fit. Uh, obviously like you know like if you're building something that doesn't necessarily have to do much with like the core dabs on top of injective or the modules um you know it'll equalize eventually um even though you know we, we are at an advantage in terms of like speed and also like uh, a block space and that's because you know like we have a, a sector focus right um and uh you know like if, if you like try to apply something general like it's always going to be like a musical chair of uh, chains, where it's like, oh, Ethereum is too expensive. Let's go to BSC. BSC is too expensive. Let's go to, you know, like like somewhere else, right? So so I think, you know, that part, it, it doesn't have like a long-term, like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, kind of like moat around like your advantage where like, oh, like there's, you know, like you only do it on of injective uh, if you're building something that's, you know, like a non-financial related. But, you know, if, if you are building something that's, you know, uh, whether it be like a DeFi protocol or, you know, something more institutional, etc. Like you, thereby have a loop where, like, you know, there's literally a lot of things that you can't find or would be economically and viable on other chains. I got a quick question.
2: Like, aside from so, so the VM narrative, uh, you guys are are all over in the execution space with uh, with the Solana VM. Thinking about about inject from the, from the from the settlement perspective, I'm curious. Like, do you guys? given that you you host your settlement layer that that settles execution from these vms do you have proposer builder separation and collect mev is that something that you guys do at
0: at the chain level or the settlement level oh so so that is a bit under your works with uh collaboration with skip um on that aspect of things it becomes kind of like an interesting question because it also depends on you know like like the uh, amount of voting power to subscribe to that type of uh, P2P network. Um if it's like a low amount, you know, like uh it, it almost has like a you know threshold job where it's like after a certain threshold, um that that uh that basically almost becomes like canonical and the standard um, expectations of it. So I would say like the 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 uh the current answer is i just like, you know, there's no way to tell kind of preemptively. Um, uh, because it's an interesting dynamic. Because uh, one on uh, 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 one side, like it, uh, uh, the majority of transactions on top of injectives uh, are, you know, orders and trades, and inherently there's little to no, um, you know, like value in, you know, having MEV protection on these trading, uh, and and that's just for context here. That's because exchange module uses uh, a certain batch option to remove uh, uh, any type of front running or, you know, MEV issues. And so that kind of, uh, you know, makes it so that, you know, validators have somewhat of a partial incentive to, you know, like subtraction into those uh, uh, protocol. But at the same time, you know, it depends on you know, how fast to pick it up, etc. So that that is kind of like a, you know, we'll see uh, type of uh, situation. Um, but I'm overall like, very, very excited about like uh, what, what Skip is working on because there are far more, you know, type of, uh, applications. And we, we already bring some of them a lot. Like, for example, like liquidation optioning, etc. Etc. that can be like uh, you know super super useful um uh, to routine their their mechanism um but yeah like uh, um it, it's it really depends on you know, how that ecosystem plays out
2: yeah it's it's fun relative to the fat protocol thesis too because it, it was almost like a value musical chairs there for a while like it, especially in times of the bull, uh the the applications were collecting so much in trading fees and then they had to pay so much in 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 gas and the blockchains and the settlement layers and ended up collecting all of that mev and it was almost like the trading fees were just getting shipped right over to the chain so yeah again i think the modularity landscape just breaks this fat protocol thesis and we're starting to see a lot more reason for the fat application thesis
0: yeah it, it literally a change landscape of uh you know kind of like an application blockchain like uh you know like a musical chair where like you just keep moving uh lower and lower within a cloud spectrum uh, amongst like uh, you know fairly identical like uh, uh, uh contract environments and then flipping the game uh on its head where it's like now it's like you know full-on customizable and it really would compress the cost of uh you know uh, applications trying to build um you know or you know cost of uh, users interacting with the application but more importantly um it creates kind of like this uh um, bottom line where it's like no matter like how empty your block space is on like you know like a certain like, L1 or UVM, um, you know like you're still not going to be as uh, as cheap or as uh, you know like uh, as optimized or efficient from tier of the utility function um, uh, as you know like a modular stack. Yeah,
1: yeah. I tried to get out of the weeds, but the weeds just keep pulling me in. Um, I'm, I'm I'm curious. Um, furthermore, on 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 this. Kind of idea here. We did haven't touched too much on like like app specific versus generalized. We got a couple of minutes. Um, so I just sort want to of pose the question that we had on the panel in uh nebular to you, uh L1 cosmos app chains or roll-ups.
0: Yeah, um I I obviously am quite biased on that um, answer, but I think like one misconception people have about uh app chains and and you know it's it also could be the case or you know this is like mainly my opinion you know um and it's certainly you know not necessarily agreed by a lot of other folks building like uh you know uh chains within cosmos or like you know subscribe fully to like that chain definition but i think you know uh, the notion of app chain might be a little bit misguided uh given that like uh it's almost like an evolutionary stage um where you start off as uh you know you you start off you know, searching for like environments or implementations that can satisfy your product offering and your uh, applications. So you know I can't build this contract on Ethereum or like this is impractical economically and viable uh, to build this on Ethereum. And there it makes a significant difference for this application to be its own like decentralized network to be its own chain. Uh, and it makes sense for me. And the value is so high that i lose all the authenticity the composability uh, the adjacency suffer uh, like 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 face like the risk and more importantly you know um um deal with like uh kind of like a cold star problem of like a zero to one of infrastructure and like you know all the surrounding uh tool stack but like you know it, it's worth it for me to like uh, pursue that direction um then you know like uh um uh, it, it makes sense for you to be a, like an app chain. And oftentimes, um, the next step for that is that this is a, uh, by being like a network, by being like a chain, um, you are no longer like an app chain because you don't have to be the only app. You can be like a, you know, like a castle slash management where like there's, you know, like one big uh, application and there's a lot of surrounding applications far arguably but, you know, uh, of service value to it, uh, you know, synergize with it, et cetera but you are really just like a, you know, like a sector speci- a specific chain or like, a, you know, like, a, you know, vertical focus uh, chain. So I think that that's the last stage of evolution. time oftentimes, like, you know, uh, I know a lot of people are working towards it, but oftentimes people kind of stop uh, at, you know, Hey, like you are a application, but have that to be a chain, but you know, don't really think much after like the uh, next stage of evolution. And, um, Oftentimes, there's also you know like challenges where it's like, yeah, let's just build a chain, and you know, uh, not thinking about like you know the real advantage uh, of it over like uh, you know uh, just being like an application with so much adjacency, so so uh, 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 so much discovery. We certainly you know uh, during the early days underestimated how much work there is. Uh, you know, even after you know we try to make everything as uh, you know Ethereum centric and Ethereum as possible to make sure that you know we take advantage of the existing mindshare within Ethereum, but we also underestimated just like, you know, how much, uh, how much like, uh, uh stuff that we lose out on. Like, you know, it's almost, uh, uh, it's highly costly to like keep track of, you know, a lot of stats and public injected by like uh, public explorers, like the et cetera, because, you know, they simply can't decipher like the stats. And to this day, it's like, you know, still out of date, um, and, uh, arguably, uh, incorrect. And then, you know, like, there's still a lot of, you know, other places where, you know, they built it to be Ethereum because they assume the whole, you know, ecosystem is Ethereum. So, you know, you lose out on all those application applications, or you, you know, have an increased cost of, you know, being included in those application suites. So it's tough, man. Like, you know, being an app chain, it's not like, you know, just building an app and then, you you just want to be a chain. Um, it's like, you know, it, you you've considered a multitude of uh, options and then it's a final, you know, like uh, um plan where, you know, hey, like there's no available option that makes sense, uh, uh based on you know, my needs and wants. And uh, you know, I, I gotta, you know, do the hard work and like uh, uh, build like a chain around it. And then like uh my my you know like like the pros behind that is that you know, I become a bigger ecosystem than just the application. I created this infrastructure where a lot of other applications and thereby flourish.
1: Yeah, I mean to to kind of wrap this up here, the infrastructure dilemma is is one where you know you have to make that yeah you have to make that choice. Like, is is the infrastructure is it deployable from a dev and a financial cost perspective? Is my application specific? Is there a specialized need for this uh, execution environment? Right, so those are kind of like the big two biggest points that you made in in detail there, right? And just kind of putting those into perspective for a dev or a builder, or a CEO. Those are the important questions. Um, and then I think uh, I think there's other builders that uh, can sympathize with the uh, understanding of uh, trying to build away from Ethereum or not use the infra that currently exists. You know, I I know just for example, even uh, two examples. One is just the reason why these VMs are so popular. Uh, and these alternative VMs have, have grown in size and in mind shares because you know uh, there's 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 an entire code library for the last 20 years on some of these VMs that EDM just doesn't have. And there's tons of different tools and uh, infrastructures that you can just kind of more so plug and play. And then even further, I I, I read um, uh, this article from Neil from Eclipse who's also on this panel, and he you know they started Eclipse thinking about trying to build app roll rollups only. You know they they were trying to build to scale 10,000 rollups. After uh, several months of realizing how much damn work it is to, to build individual execution environments time and time again, uh, you know they decided, well, this isn't for us. The ten thousand rule of future it may or may not happen, but we're not going to like you know really kind to uh, build a part of it, or they're going to focus in a different light, right, and, and kind of go towards a more general purpose environment. And just to kind of wrap up, uh, we are the roll-up, so I think that we can agree with your perspective. But but I do appreciate what happens in the Cosmos ecosystem, and I think um, I'm a little bit biased towards Ethereum in, in a sense. But I think that uh, next to next to Ethereum is is Cosmos with their devs, their builders, their kind of technology, and their overall like the whole IBC and the level of just uh, innovation there is 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 always cool to see at these different conferences and and what they come up with. So yeah, man, thank you for coming on. Uh, that was just my
2: closing yeah. thoughts. Rob yeah, thanks so much, Eric. It's been a blast to learn um, and uh, be injected filled um, as well as modularity and uh, all these concepts that we spoke about. I think um, it's really cool to uh, highlight some of the components that are out there that are kind of catch and win and then uh, pull them together so that we can get a more comprehensive understanding. So thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so
0: much.
1: Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.